Hey Patriots, I hope you're having a great day. I hope you're ready to hear something really amazing. Um, settle in because this is really big. And a friend of mine told me about this. And um, I guess I didn't take it real seriously at first. You know, we hear so much that, and I've got to be really skeptical. So, I, he actually told me, I think it was probably the fourth time when I said, okay, I will look into it. And I've looked into it, and it's amazing. So, I've got to tell you, I can't not tell you, since you guys, you know, are on my site, on my YouTube site. So, okay, so before, I'm like, okay, Lord, how can I tell this story, this amazing story? And so, First, we have to have some background because otherwise you're not going to get it. Okay, so some of you will, but some of you won't. So the first thing I want to say is that um, back in the day, the way that the Israelites were able to connect with God was they had the Ark of the Covenant. You might have seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a crazy movie, but it does give you an idea that this thing is dangerous. Why? Because It's because it is God's presence on earth. It's, it's really huge. The Lord didn't do that with any other people. He said, my, I'm going to have my physical, except obviously with Jesus coming, but it's, it's like heaven come to earth. And so it's just very dangerous. And so he said, don't anyone touch it. And so there's, there's poles that they would have on each side of this box. It's a, it's a big box made of acacia wood. And on each side, there were big poles. And you could touch the poles, but don't touch the box. And there are accounts in the scriptures where someone would touch it and they would drop dead. Um, there's another account where it was uh, stolen at one point, And then everyone in those towns, it would go, be in one town and everyone would start dying. And they'd move it to another town and people would start dying. And they put it on an ox cart. And they put it in the direction of the city of Jerusalem and just said, go. <laughs> just said, get. And so, yeah, that gives you an idea of what we're, what we're talking about. So, this is uh, an amazing thing that the, that the Israelites had in the, um, in the desert after they left Egypt. And, but it was always, always, always covered. You might see a picture where they're carrying it with poles and it's uncovered. Well, that's not accurate because it was always covered. Um, it was always behind a veil, okay? And so, um, uh, so when they had the tabernacle, which is a giant tent that they had in the wilderness, they would have it covered in a, in, and they would have it in the Holy of Holies. When they would move, they would still cover it with a tent and uh, a veil and, and as they would go. So now... Fast forward to when they had the temple, and so now you have the Holy of Holies, which is this small section in the back of the temple that only one person could go in one time a year. The high priest would go in one time a year, and he would make an offering for the sins of the people. He would take uh, uh, the, the blood of the sacrifice, and he would literally sprinkle it on top of this Ark of the Covenant. On top, it was uh, a mercy seat. This whole thing was covered with gold, every little bit of it. And there were angels on each side. So, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. This is where the payment for sins happens. So, when my buddy told me about it, he was like, well, I don't really understand mercy seat. What is that about? So, just so you guys understand, just like you wouldn't leave a store, 
without paying. You go to the cash register and you pay for whatever purchase you, purchases you are making. In the same way, we don't enter heaven until our sins are paid for. We don't enter into a relationship with God. We don't have that close communion with God until our sins are paid for. So if you don't feel close to God, it may be that you have some sins that are a barrier in the way and that you need to get that resolved. And the only thing that can wash it away, doing a bunch of good stuff is not going to wash it away. Saying you're sorry a million times is not going to wash it away. The blood of Christ washes it away. Okay? So, and it brings you back into that reconciled relationship where everything is cool and and he looks at he considers you clean that you've never sinned you've always done everything perfectly so they would always go but interestingly enough they would only put they would only splatter blood on one side on the east side of the ark of the covenant on the top of the mercy seat okay so and then god would say okay you've paid and so your sins are paid for. You, they're forgiven. They're remitted. They're removed. Okay? So that they did for years and years and years. Fast forward to now. It's the time of uh, Jeremiah. And the people are doing so much evil. And finally, the Lord says, I don't... He might not have wanted to, to punish them, but he had to. He just had to. So they are going to have to go into captivity again, this time under Nebuchadnezzar. So the thing that Nebuchadnezzar wants, because they haven't been paying their taxes and blah, blah, blah. So he's wanting to come in and get all that money. So he's like, okay, I want to get all the gold, every bit of gold. And there's gold that the people have. And there's gold, especially in the temple. The temple is laden with gold everywhere. And the prize is the Ark of the Covenant. So interestingly enough, they list everything that was found that, that Nebuchadnezzar took when they, when they laid siege to the city and they broke down the walls and, and took everybody out. Some people died. Some people, the poorest people were left. A lot of people were hauled off into Babylon. And then they took uh, a, a list of items. Well, on the list, they don't have the Ark of the Covenant. So what happened to it? Where is it? Well, the book of Maccabees talks about that it was, I think they said, it says it was in Mount Nebo. I just find that hard to imagine because you've got the whole city, they've laid siege on the whole city. You're not going to be able to get out of there uh, with, with a, <laughs> a giant golden box. You're just not, okay? So that, and then I've heard like, oh, well, it was in the pyramid. Um, I don't you can't get it in there. There might have been something in there, but I don't think that was what it was. But anyway, so then you're like, well, what happened to it? Well, the logical thing is that the one person who was walking with the Lord at that time was Jeremiah. And he was actually in the good graces of Nebuchadnezzar because he had told these people, you guys better uh, give yourselves up to Nebuchadnezzar because maybe he'll have mercy on you because if you don't stop, it's it, everybody's going to be dead in here. So... But it, nobody knows. And it's been what, okay, that was 2,600 years ago, something like that, and we still don't know where it is. So, enter this amazing man named Ron Wyatt. Ron Wyatt has found Noah's Ark. I'll link the uh, video below and you'll be able to see that. It's remarkable. Um, he's a strong man of God and he, he loves the Lord and the Lord has... Uh, has revealed these things. And again, as I keep saying, we are living in a day that is different from any other day where the Lord is is revealing. The great revelation is so much is being revealed. We've all we're all here joined together on this side and so many other sites because every we're 
the Lord is revealing all of this to us. And so uh, Ron Wyatt um, has found that. He's found the, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he was walking by Jeremiah's Grotto. And he felt the Lord speak to him. He says, right there is where the Ark of the Covenant is. Which even he thought, why did I say that? This was definitely the Lord put this in his mouth to speak. And so, well, what is Jeremiah's grotto? Well, see, if um, Jerusalem is, the whole thing is stone. I mean, it's just, Jer you've heard of Jerusalem stone? It's just, everything is stone. It's, the, it's all underneath the city is just catacombs of stone. Um, and I got to go, I'll mention this in another video, I got to go in through Hezekiah's tunnel. It's just stone, stone, stone everywhere. So it's a ca caverns uh, uh, all throughout there. So I'm sure Jeremiah was really, really poor. You've got, a, I've got a video on the playlist about Jeremiah's life. Boy, they, they did not like Jeremiah at all. He would speak the truth and they didn't want to hear it. Um, at one point, one of my favorite things that Jeremiah said, he said, I'm not going to speak in the name of the Lord anymore. <laughs> and he said, as soon as the words left my mouth, there was a fire in my belly and I couldn't help but speak in the name of the Lord. <laughs> I think sometimes I'm like that. I, I'm like, I can't stop. I guess that's when you know this is the Lord because you just can't stop speaking his words. Anyway, and even if people don't like it, and he, I mean, they put him in a, in a cage one time. They put him in a pit one time. I mean, these people did not like Jeremiah, what he had to say. So he was very poor. And so uh, he lived, he had a grotto or caves, a man cave. He was the original man cave. <laughs> uh, so he was living in a cave, but actually this cave was under the dump. I'm sure it was not, not the best place to be, but wonder what Ron Wyatt understood. And he didn't really understand exactly. He just, he just felt that the Spirit of the Lord speak this word to him. So he went home and he didn't even think about it. But after a while, he was like, I need to go and see if there's something to this. It just, you know how something just nags on you. And you're just like, you can't stop until you find this out. So he went to, well, let me tell you this. The grotto, Jeremiah's grotto, is now what is known as the Garden Tomb. If you remember, if you've ever seen a video of it, uh, I'll put a link below of that too. The Garden Tomb is right by Golgotha. Golgotha is called the Place of the Skull, and that is where the Bible says that Jesus was crucified. And basically, they took Jesus out to the dump north of the city. It was outside the city walls at that point. So Jeremiah didn't even live inside the city. He was outside the city and it was along the main street. So the, the, the Romans liked to torture people and crucify them out there so that people wouldn't see this is what happens to you if you, uh, don't obey the Roman rules. So, uh, now it's though it's within the city and it's, they call it the garden tomb. And there you'll see, here's a picture of the actual tomb where we believe that Jesus was buried and it's an empty tomb. And I got to go there and I got to go actually inside and I can testify it's there. I saw it. I've been inside of that tomb. And literally just a few yards away is the place of the skull, Golgotha. It's actually um, uh, a bus station now, which is 
So Ron Wyatt got permission from the people who managed the garden tomb. He said, you know, I really feel that this is where it is. So he got the permits, he got the approvals, everything he needed to do. They already knew that Ron Wyatt was someone who was reputable because of all the other finds. He's been, like I said, on the on the Noah's Ark find. This has been, you know, verified by the people of Turkey, and there's no doubt about that. And so everyone knows that Ron Wyatt is really, really a great man and a great uh, archaeologist. So he starts digging, and... Um, you know, it's not an easy task at all. And, you know, you'll have to watch the video to see all the difficulties that he had happened to him along the way. So then he fast forward to one day when he thought, well, maybe the Lord just doesn't want me to do this. Maybe he's not going to give me the honor of finding this because I've made some mistakes and gotten people involved who really, you know, should not have been involved. And, and so one day he was just sitting there and he, he saw this man and he was dressed in, in like Jesus garb, you know, just appear, you know, like back in the day outfit. And, and he said something to him. He said, Ron, why, you're doing a great thing. And which was, he was like, where are you from? You have to hear this story from him, Ron Wyatt telling it. I'm going to link it below. And so they had a very short conversation and then he, um, he left. Well, Ron was like, I want to go. Who was that guy? And so he went to the entrance and he asked the people, well, where, where'd that guy go? And they're like, nobody came through here. So it was very, very strange. There's a lot of strange things happening in our day that I think just really point us to something very amazing is happening in our day, which is very exciting. So he was reinvigorated and ready to go. So he started uh, on his track again of, um, of digging. Um, and so he had this really, <laughs> this is so funny. He had this really skinny guy. So that helped a lot because when he would have, say, well, go and check in that little spot, this skinny guy could go into this spot and he could, uh, you know, check it out. You know, they wouldn't have to dig so much because this guy could, could tuck right in through those little skinny spots. So this one day, Ron sent him into this little narrow passage, and immediately he tumbled out of there with the look of terror on his face. He's like, he could not describe what he felt, saw, heard, whatever it was. He just was like, I'm out of here, and goodbye. And he never was seen again. They, like, he didn't ever come back. So there was something that he didn't say it wasn't anything that he saw, just obviously some kind of feeling that he knew he better get out of there. And he did. And he did. And so Ron knew that he was on to something. He was on to the real deal. So they dug and dug and dug. And so when he went through this narrow passage, when he got into this area, he was, at first he saw just a bunch of rocks and they were movable. And then underneath the rocks, there was some wood. And underneath that, there were animal skins. So he realized he was on a table. So then he kept crawling, crawling, crawling over. Of course, it's dark and he has a flashlight. It's not easy to see. And then he goes a little farther and he sees this big box. And so he, it's got stone on top of it. And actually, the top of the stone is actually broken. And so he put his flashlight down in there 
and he could tell, he could see gold, and so he knew he'd found it. Well, he, he completely fell out over just realizing what he had, what he was seeing. Um, and of course, because he's, he's a man of God, he's a true man of God. He, the Lord did not, <laughs> nothing happened to him. He was fine, but he was, he fell out and then he woke back up. He came back too. And, uh, he went back out. He tried to get a camera to take some pictures and none of the pictures would come out. It was real blurry. You can see that on the video. They're real blurry. Um, so then on another time that he went in there, he was able to look in through that crack and he could see that there was blood on the left side of the ark. And the significance of that is huge. Remember how I told you they only put the blood on the right side of the ark. What's blood doing on the left side of the ark? So he looked up and he saw there was a crack above him, right above that crack on the ark, on the stone that was covering the ark of the covenant. And so now he has taken a scope all the way up that crack and there's blood all up that crack. And you go all the way up, 20 feet up, and you will see there is the exact place where they had put the cross. So what must have happened was, and we know this by the accounts in the Word, is that when Jesus died on the cross, his the contents of his blood went into his abdominal cavity. It just poured into his abdominal cavity because he literally died. He didn't die of asphyxiation. That's what normally crucifixion victims would die of. So our Lord Jesus did not die of asphyxiation. He actually died of a broken heart. His heart literally burst. What he was enduring was so excruciating that it literally broke his heart. Um, I think that we can all relate a little bit to that in that whenever we've had something really, really sad happen, our heart literally aches. And so if you can imagine bearing the sins of all of humanity on your shoulders, taking the, the punishment for that, as well as being separated from your father at that time, it's just, it was more than his heart could take, literally. So then, the if you remember, the centurion ordered the soldier to come and pierce through Jesus. Well, it went likely you know, it went into his abdominal cavity through his spleen, and it. The Bible says that the contents of his uh, of his blood just poured out water and blood. Okay, so a lot, a lot of blood. Okay, just and it had been in there, and now it's just just pouring out. So then. It says there was a great earthquake. So what they figure had to have happened was that, and I'll show you a picture on the screen, that crack there is where the earthquake was right beside where Jesus was crucified. And so the earth literally opened up and 
the Ark of the Covenant was 20 feet below. The blood went into the crack and went onto the left side of the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. It's amazing. This is not, this is obviously easy for the Lord, but this is, this is amazing. And it's exactly what Daniel was told in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. He said, um, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. So he's done all those things, right? He's done all those things for us. He's, he's finished the transgressions. He's ended sins. Not only has he made us righteous in God's sight, he's also transformed us so that we don't live a life of sin anymore. He's, he's at the cross. He did that. He accomplished that so that we have the power to do what he has told us to do, right? To seal up vision and prophecy. So all these things have been pointed to for years and years and years, and it was completed at the cross. And to anoint the most holy. How amazing is that? Daniel said he was going to anoint the most holy. And so for us, for us, we might not recognize the importance of that, but back all for thousands of years, the blood had to go on the mercy seat. It can't just be something you think of that will happen. It actually physically has to go on the mercy seat. That's the whole point of the mercy seat on the top uh, of the Ark of the Covenant. The blood has to be there so that it shows a payment was made. And so all these years, I didn't really know, you know, that how exactly that was supposed to happen because no one even knows where the Ark of the Covenant is. You know, one can put anything on the mercy seat because the Ark of the Covenant wouldn't even have it to put the blood on. Even if someone were to say, we want to put Jesus' blood on there. But the Lord had it already planned. The Lord had it planned 600 years before when Jeremiah hid it there. Isn't that amazing? The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He has it all planned out. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So, where where is it now? Well, it's still in there. Ron Wyatt tells the story that that it's not time to take it out yet. It's coming close. But the thing is, what do you do with such a thing? And it has to be, you know, especially because it is dangerous. And you don't take it out until the Lord says. And it's going to all come out in exactly the proper time and in the proper way. But now we know where it is. And the authorities know where it is too. The Israeli authorities know where it is too. But are you going to want to move it? <laughs> right? Even Ron Wyatt was not going to move it out of there. And he re realized that this was not something he was supposed to do. He actually had the blood tested. I'm not a chemist. But he had it taken to the really high quality um, lab there in Israel. And... He didn't tell them where he got this blood. He just wanted them to test it for him. And they said that it only had one 
male chromosome. They're like, they couldn't, they said, whose is this? And Ron said, that is the blood of your Messiah. It's too amazing. So they said the blood is actually alive. When we die, our blood dies, right? But not this blood. We've talked about that. We've sung thousands of songs about the, how amazing the blood of Jesus is. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. We've sung about that. And look at this. It really does. It really, it's alive. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And I, I, I feel, yeah, you can see why I've just felt unworthy to share this. But I had to once I found out about it. And so I'm going to link all these videos below so you can research it too and just be blessed by it and just see, wow, so many things are being revealed in this day. And what is, what is going to be the next step? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> just, I'm praying for all of us to get to live, to see all of this come out, all of this come to fruition and completion and uh, just really thankful to live in this time. It's just an amazing day. Now, I want to tell you one other quick thing. Um, the how, how did it get there? So this, I'm going to link a video also, um, uh, Rude Awakening video uh, at the bottom. And that shows you how they had a trap door in the temple. And so what happened with that was when, when they knew that Nebuchadnezzar was about to break through, they had a system already in place that the columns on the front of the temple actually had sand was released and the columns would descend. And that allowed this uh, elevator to lower the Ark of the Covenant down into the underground cavern. And so from there, they were able to take the Ark of the Covenant through the underground caves and, and uh, caverns and passageways all the way to Jeremiah's grotto and hide it in a place that they've never been able to find it all these years. There was someone who was really, really close, um, but he was 10 feet away and he didn't find it. But Ron Wyatt has, and it's all about the Lord's timing, right? It's not about our wisdom, it's about the Lord's timing. But yeah, that is so neat. You've got to watch that one too. It's it's absolutely amazing. And actually, the um, the on the list of the items that Nebuchadnezzar took when he laid siege to Jerusalem, it talks about that he only took a certain number of feet of the columns. And you're like, well, why, why is that? It's because they've been lowered into the ground because of this elevator system. How amazing is that? Isn't this amazing? So I just want to rejoice in that the Lord has planned all of this. We can absolutely trust Him. We can absolutely trust every word that comes proceeds out of His mouth. We can trust every bit of His the Bible because it is coming true in our day. If you ever had any doubts about the Word of God before, you should not have any more because this is amazing amazing. I'm just so thankful to be able to share this with you guys and, uh, and, and, and to be able to know about what the Lord has done for us. He made sure that the blood of Jesus was 
anointing the most holy, the holy of holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the payment counter, and on, it was the only blood that was on the left side of the mercy seat. It was there waiting for his blood to be spilt. It's absolutely amazing. And his blood washes away our sins, just putting our trust in him. Isn't that amazing? Let's give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you had all of this worked out in your perfect timing, in your perfect way. And it just gives us so much confidence that we don't have to worry about one little thing and that nothing is going to stop your plan. Not one little thing. Nothing can stop it. And we're so glad to be on your side. We pray for everyone that everyone will wake up. We pray that your your spirit would, would move in this country so that everyone would rise up, wake up and rise up and, and take the positions that you have called each one of us to and to, to, hear, to hear your voice and to uh, discern truth from lie, good from evil. And we just pray that you will fill us so we can do that. Thank you for what you have accomplished and how we get to be a part of what you're doing. And we just give you the praise. We thank you for good men like Ron Wyatt. We thank you for good men like our wonderful President Trump. We thank you for good men who are willing to be called every name in the book like our wonderful Jeff Sessions and, and Trey Gowdy. We just feel that they are good men who are being um, willing to be used for your purposes and being called every name in the book. But I thank you that they're willing to do that. I thank you that you are bringing down the enemy one by one by one by one and uh, that we're going to get to see this day when all of this is revealed and your kingdom is going to come and we're all going to live in a beautiful place of peace and health and prosperity and joy we just give you the praise in your great name jesus because you are the one who deserves all the praise amen all right guys i will talk to you later